this afternoon. So praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Turn with me, if you would, in your Bibles as we begin our message today to the Gospel of Luke chapter 1. We continue our Advent series, The Promises of Advent. We're going to look today at Luke chapter 1 and part of the story of the birth of John, the baptizer, to Zechariah and Elizabeth. Let's pray. Father, again, we thank you so much for this great opportunity to gather together, to gather with friends. And Lord, our spirits have already been lifted up today. We've already been encouraged just by, just by talking with one another and building our relationships with one another, spending time with one another, taking time to focus on you and praise you and worship you. And Lord, we, we've been able to sense your presence here today and we thank you so much for it. Now, Lord, we, we want to hear what the Spirit says to us. You said over and over and over again, he that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. We want to hear what you have to say to us today, Lord. We want to hear what you want to give us, what you want to bless us with today. And we want to have open hearts to receive and respond. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Luke chapter 1, beginning to read with verse 57. When it was time for Elizabeth's baby to be born, she gave birth to a son. And when her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had been very merciful to her, everyone rejoiced with her. When the baby was eight days old, they all came for the circumcision ceremony. <coughs> they wanted to name him Zechariah after his father, but Elizabeth said no. His name is John. What? They exclaimed. There is no one in all your family by that name. So they used gestures to ask the baby's father what he wanted to name him. He motioned for a writing tablet, and to everyone's surprise, he wrote, His name is John. Instantly, Zechariah could speak again, and he began praising God. All fell upon the whole neighborhood, and the news of what had happened spread throughout the Judean hills. Everyone who heard about it reflected on these events and asked, What will this child turn out to be? For the hand of the Lord was surely upon him in a special way. Then his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and gave this prophecy. Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has visited and redeemed his people. He has sent us a mighty Savior from the royal line of his servant David, just as he promised through his holy prophets long ago. Now we will be saved from our enemies and from all who hate us. He has been merciful to our ancestors by remembering his sacred covenant, the covenant he swore with an oath to our ancestor Abraham. We have been rescued from our enemies so we can serve God without fear in holiness and righteousness for as long as we live. And you, my little son, will be called the prophet of the Most High because you will prepare the way for the Lord you will tell his people how to find salvation through forgiveness of their sins because of God's tender mercy. The morning light from heaven is about to break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide us in the path of peace. What if you had been waiting for something for a long time? And I'm not talking about a long time being waiting for the light to turn green. <laughs> a lot longer than that. You've been waiting and waiting and waiting. You've been waiting for something your entire life. You're getting older and you're getting older and you're getting older and you're getting older. And you don't see this thing you've been waiting for happening. And you begin to doubt if it's ever going to happen. You begin to think it's impossible. It's not going to happen. Anybody ever remember the movie Up that came out a few years ago? Animated movie, you know, and at the beginning of the movie, this just the very beginning kind of intro to the movie, the, the young couple gets married and the movie flips through the, you know, the, the photo album and you see all the pictures of this and that and the other thing, but, but there's a sadness because this young couple can't have children and they get older and they get older and they get older and pretty soon they're very old and they can't have children anymore and then the wife dies and the old man is left alone and he's a cranky grumpy old curmudgeon of a man you know now all that's just in the very introduction of the movie and then he meets this kind of boy scout type of kid who like is looking for a father figure and a mentor figure and you know then they go on this wild 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 journey that can only happen in a cartoon you know but but the thing about it is that guy and his wife wanted a child and they couldn't have a child 
And then when his wife died, he was left completely alone and he was angry and he was bitter because he never received what he wanted. So there's something that you have wanted your entire life. You don't see it happening and you begin to give up completely. Maybe you're there right now. You're like, I thought that was going to happen, but maybe that was just my imagination. Maybe it wasn't God. Maybe it's not in the will of God. Maybe I'll just, I'm just going to. Forget about that. I'm not going to hope anymore. I'm not going to believe anymore. I'm not going to dream anymore. You, you give up completely. But then, maybe for some of you, you begin to see signs that it's going to happen. You begin to see signs that it's going to happen. Zechariah and Elizabeth were wonderful, wonderful people of God. They were people of obedience to God. They were people of prayer. They were people of the Holy Spirit. They were people of faith. They were people of faithfulness. They were people of praise. They were godly people. And Zechariah was a priest. He was in the line of the priesthood. And, and things had, again, like I mentioned last week, things had changed from all the prescriptions God gave Moses because of the people of God falling away and losing their nation, being restored to their nation. Lots of stuff changed. So, so Zechariah was in an order of priests that would take turns going in to minister to the Lord in the temple, ministering to the Lord in the temple going in by himself, offering incense and prayers up to the Lord on behalf of the people. And, and Zechariah and Elizabeth wanted to have a child. They never had children. They got way past the age of ever being able to have children. And even though he knew the story of Abraham and Sarah from the Old Testament, having Isaac when they were like 100 years old and 90 years old, they, they didn't believe they were going to have children anymore. And one day, Zechariah... He's taking his turn. He's in the temple. He's offering incense and worship and prayer up to the Lord on behalf of the people. And Gabriel, yes, that Gabriel, the same Gabriel, stands in front of Zechariah and he says, you are going to have a son. <coughs> Zechariah can't believe it. I mean, he, he just, he just, it, there's no way. There's no, just, like, just like Sarah was in the story of Abraham and Sarah back in Genesis. There's just... There's just no way. So, so Zechariah says, how can this be? And I love, I love Gabriel's response, you know. I mean, if you've got a great big old angel standing in front of you, and he's one of the top dog angels, you know. I mean, he comes from the presence of God. And, and, and you're like questioning what he's saying? <laughs> you're questioning whether he's really got the inside scoop or not, whether he's really got the goods. I mean, how, how often do you have a great big angel come and stand right in front of you? So Zechariah's in the temple. He's worshiping. He's praising God. He's doing his thing on behalf of the people. He doesn't believe he's going to have anything for himself anymore. And Gabriel comes and he says, you're going to have a son. And Zechariah says, how can this be? And Gabriel's response is, I'm Gabriel. <laughs> I stand in the very presence of God. And so since you didn't believe, you're not going to be able to speak another word until it happens. And he was struck dumb, and he goes outside when he's finished doing his ministry, and the people realize he's lost his voice, he's lost the ability to speak because he's just, he's just frantically doing motions. I mean, it's just wild. It's one of the wildest church services you've ever been to before. It's like if I just get up here and start speaking, and I couldn't speak, and I started making a motion, it'd be pretty wild, wouldn't it? I don't know sign language. I can't do it. But they were godly people, and God gave them this word. So Zechariah failed to believe the prophecy of the angel, so he was struck dumb. And then when it all happened, as we read in the story this morning, when it all happened, and he wrote his name as John, because that's the name the angel said he was to have. Even though there was nobody in his family by that name, and according to tradition, that's how he would be named. Somewhere in the family line, he would, he would take a family name. But no, when Zechariah was obedient to the angel on the day of John's circumcision, he could speak again. And the miracle came. And the very first thing Zechariah did when he could speak again was praise the Lord. Wasn't angry. He wasn't bitter. His son was here. The promise was here. The miracle was here. So the very first thing that he said when he couldn't speak for nine months was to praise the Lord. And he's thrilled that his son is born. He's thrilled that the prayers that were prayed long ago and nearly forgotten are now being answered in ways greater than he could have ever expected or imagined. There are pray prayers that you prayed years ago and you may have given up on that thing. It can still happen even though you've given up on it and not prayed for it. But he's singing when he praises. He, his mouth is open. He's singing about his son 
And he's singing about someone else, one to be born in six more months yet, following John. When Zechariah speaks, he refers to events that are yet to come as though they have already happened. He refers to events that are yet to come as though they were past tense and have already happened. He is now so full of faith, no longer questioning God. He's so full of faith, he is calling those things that have not yet come to pass as though they already have come to pass. He is such great confidence now that the promises of God are going to come true. With the birth of John, the fulfillment of the promise of the angel, he knew, he knew that God had visited his people. And he knew that Jesus was already in Mary's womb. It had been 400 years since the people had ever had a visitation from God. 400 years since there was ever a prophet. 400 years since anybody ever spoke a word on behalf of God. The people had heard from no prophet. God had not visited his people. But now Zechariah, priest, everybody remembered for being struck dumb nine months before when he was in the temple performing his duty. He speaks again and he declares to the people, people who are hungry for a touch from God. People who are hungry for a move of God. People who are longing for a message from God. Imagine, never in their entire life had they heard a prophetic Word from the Lord. Zechariah declares to them that God has once again visited his people. So he praises God for all the ramifications of this fresh visitation. So the idea this morning is the coming of Jesus brings joy. The coming of Jesus brings joy. We're talking about the promises of Advent. So a couple of weeks ago we talked about the promise of hope. Last week we talked about the promise of peace. Now we're talking about the promise of joy. This is what comes with Jesus coming. Hope and peace and joy and followers of Jesus. Those of us who have entered into a relationship with Jesus, we're walking with Jesus, we're following Jesus, we're trying to pattern our lifestyle after Jesus. We have received everything. We have available to us everything that Zechariah praises God for in this prophecy. So we should be full of joy. We should be full of joy in praising God for the coming of Jesus. Three things today. First, his salvation brings joy. Amen. Yes. His salvation brings joy. Zechariah said in Luke 1, 69, a mighty Savior. John is going to tell. Zechariah's son, John, is going to tell the people how to find salvation from their sins. Not just by calling them to repentance and coming down into the Jordan River and being baptized and washed clean and starting a new life, but by pointing the way to Jesus. John is going to show people how they can be saved from their sins, delivered from their sins, no fear of future punishment for their sins, because he looked at Jesus and he said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And if that's hard for us to understand, the Jewish people knew exactly what he meant because for hundreds and for thousands of years they had taken their lambs into the temple. They had taken their lambs to the priest. They had seen those lambs have their throat slit. They had seen the blood poured out in a bowl. They had seen the sacrifices, all that had happened, all their lives and their granddaddy's lives and their great-granddaddy's lives going thousands of years. And they knew that it was all something. There was something to it. And John points to Jesus and he says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John was saying Jesus is God's lamb. You've been bringing your lambs. God is bringing Jesus and Jesus' blood is going to be shed so your sins are going to be completely covered and done away with no more sacrifices. The word redeem means to save at a cost. To save at a cost. To rescue at a high price. Anybody notice prices going up lately? Amen. Christmas might be a little more expensive for some people. But we ain't paid the price that Jesus paid. We haven't paid the price that God paid to give us the gift he wants to give us. If you have <coughs> trusted in Jesus to be redeemed from your sin, to be saved from a future hell, do not take your salvation for granted. Do not take your forgiveness for granted. It was purchased for you at a high price. 
God offered the life of his son. This is why the Old Testament Jews were supposed to bring the best lamb, the purest lamb. They were giving up not only that particular lamb, but they would be giving up everything that lamb could reproduce in future years to come. They had to give the very best. God gave his very best when he gave Jesus. Don't take it for granted. Some people have been in church their entire lives, and it's easy for us not to think of our salvation as highly as we ought to think. We've got to remain mindful, and I want Christmas to remind us this year of the high price that God paid for you. Mm -hmm. High price that God paid for you when he sent his son to die on the cross for you. If you were or if you have been in a long life of sin, let me tell you, Jesus is a mighty Savior. He's a mighty Savior. He can forgive you for whatever you have done and he can forgive you for however long you've done it. There is no sin too great that he is not greater to forgive. And if you accepted Jesus' forgiveness after a long life of sin, remember, not just for a little while, but be reminded this Christmas that Jesus came to bring you out. Not just to forgive you, but to bring you out of it. To deliver you from it. To set you free from it. You don't have to live in it anymore. Don't fall into the place where you fail to realize the magnitude of what God Almighty did for us when he came to us in human form in Jesus Christ. Zechariah said he has come to visit us with salvation from hell. With salvation from judgment. With salvation and, and an eternity without the presence of God to redeem us at a high price which was his life. So David said like Zechariah in Psalm 103. David said let all that I am praise the Lord with my whole heart heart, I will praise his holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. He forgives all my sins. He heals all my diseases. He redeems me from death. He crowns me with love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed like the eagles. And all of this reminds me of that old hymn we used to sing. My heart was distressed neath Jehovah's dread frown. And low in the pit where my sins dragged me down, I cried to the Lord from the deep miry clay who tenderly brought me out to golden day. He brought me out of the miry clay. He set my feet on the rock to stay. He puts a song in my soul today, a song of praise. Hallelujah. Amen. Another verse of that hymn says, I'll tell of the pit with its gloom and despair. I'll praise the dear Father who answered my prayer. I'll sing my new song, the glad story of love. Then join in the chorus with the saints above. He brought me out of the miry clay. He set my feet on the rock to stay. He puts a song in my soul today, a song of praise. Hallelujah. Joseph was thrown into a pit. Remember Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Jacob had 12 sons. Joseph was his 11th son. And Joseph was the favorite. Not a good idea. Don't play favorites. It didn't play well in Jacob's family, and it won't play well in yours. But he, Joseph was the favorite, favored, favored son. And so all the other brothers were jealous, and so they trapped him and captured him when he came to do good for them, and they threw him in a pit and eventually sold him into slavery. David knew what it was like to be in a, in a pit. David had been in pits when he was running away from Saul. Paul was thrown in pits when he was going around preaching the good news about Jesus Christ over most of the, of the European world at that time. He was thrown in pits, but God brought each of them out. Our pit was worse than Joseph's pit. Our pit was worse than any pit David had to hide in. Our pit was worse than the pits that Saul was thrown in. Our pit was a spiritual pit. And if you're there today, he can bring you out. Ephesians chapter 2 says, Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. You used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us, all of us used to live that way. None of us are better than anybody else, whether we're still in the pit or out of the pit. All of us, all of us have been in the pit following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. But God is so rich in mercy. Amen. And he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our many sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ Jesus from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you've been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ, and he seated us with him in the heavenly realm because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us. Listen to this. 
God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness toward us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. Do you believe the word of God today? Yes. Do you believe the word of God today? Yes. God says in future ages, he's going to point at you. He's going to point at you. He's going to point at you. And he's going to say, they're an example of my grace. Look at them. Look at all I did for them. Look at how I brought them out. He's going to point to you in future ages. Can you imagine that? We think of all the stuff we're going to do when we get to heaven, all the people we're going to meet, and all the conversations we're going to have and everything, and, and God's going to go, hey, 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 everybody, listen up, listen up. I want to tell you about Daniel. I want to tell you how Daniel used to be, and I want to tell you. Jesus is going to be leading the testimony service, and he's going to be talking about those that he brought out. Amen. It's awesome. He redeemed us from our sins. He rescued us at great cost. Think of the cost involved for God to come to us with salvation. We are finding more and more and more and more and more about how big the universe is. Universes and galaxies, huge and massive and ever-expanding, and don't get the idea that God is living out there somewhere in the universe. No. All of the universes and all the galaxies are living in God. Amen. He is outside of it all. He's outside of space. He's outside of time. The, the massiveness of it, nobody can understand. Nobody can explain. Nobody even knows how big it is. It just, it just keeps going and going and going and going and going. God is bigger than all of that. Massive. And yet, he came as a baby. He came as a baby. Kicking in Mary's womb. Coming out through the birth canal. Bloody, screaming crying, needing human help to survive. God almighty reduced himself to that. If, if he never got to the cross, that, that was a sacrifice for God to reduce himself to our form. But that was the plan before the foundation of the world was made. He had you in mind before creation. He had you in mind before it was all laid out because you see, God wanted to have a people who would serve him by choice and love him by choice and enter into a relationship by choice. He doesn't force anyone. He doesn't force anyone into any relationship with him. It's our choice. And so God knew if he's going to create a human race like this, then there are going to be some who make the choice to serve him and love him and enter into the relationship with him and some who won't. He says, what am I going to do about those who won't? And, and he knows that as humans, we're all going to fail. What am I going to do about that? And they already, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, before the foundation of the world came up with a plan that God the Son would come in the form of man. Some people think, well, why, why would God create humankind if he knew that so many of them would disobey and reject him and end up in an eternity in hell. That doesn't sound like a God of love. No, 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 no. God knew that we would all reject him, all of us. And he said, I will come and die for your sins. That's love. Before you were ever born, before you were ever thought of, before you were ever committed to sin, he already committed to die for your sins. To come, to come before, before he formed Adam out of the dust of the ground, before he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and Adam became a living soul, before he took Eve out of Adam's side and created her, before any of that, he already decided, we're going to go to the cross. We're going to come in human form, and we're going to go to the cross. So that everybody will have an opportunity. So God, God wasn't taken by surprise when Adam and Eve made their choice. He wanted a being that would serve him by choice. What tremendous love. 1 Peter chapter 1 verses 18 through 20. For you know that God paid a ransom. God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And this ransom was not paid with mere gold or silver, which lose their value. It was the precious blood of Christ. Amen. Sinless, spotless Lamb of God. God chose him as your ransom long before the world began. So Christmas is the story of this great coming. Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. She will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people. Save his people from their sins. We rejoice with Zechariah. We rejoice with Zechariah because God has visited us with salvation. He saved us from ourselves. <laughs> he saved us from our sin. He saved us from the domination of Satan over us. Satan has no power in the life of Jesus. Unless we let him. 
no power. So salvation brings us joy. Second, his deliverance brings us joy. His deliverance brings us joy. Luke chapter 1, verses 71 and 74, Zechariah said, Now we will be saved from our enemies. And then he said, We have been rescued from our enemies. Literally, the, the translation here is a horn of salvation. Now, all the power of the ox and the bull is in the horn. Those huge mountain goats, you know, that, that are up there on the mountains and they're starting to, those alpha males start to exercise their dominance and who's going to be, who's going to be the lead goat. And they're up on the mountains. Boom! <laughs> they back up and they big old stronghold. Boom! 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 NFL has not yet figured out how to create a cushion in a helmet that the goat has in the head. And it's true. It's true. It's amazing. Those massive horns. Boom! Protect them. Strength. Is in the horn. And that's what is referred to here. The strength and the power of Jesus to overwhelm the power of the devil. See, the devil has people bound. You know it. Some of you have struggled with it. Maybe some of you are still struggling with it. The devil has people bound in depression. The devil has people bound in substance abuse. The devil has people bound with emotional problems. So much, so much leads to life destruction and family destruction. That's the bondage of the devil. But God is not the author of these things. God sent the deliverer from these things. Zechariah was praising God for sending the deliverer, the one who has strength to set us free. Moses was a great deliverer. He followed God and led the people out of slavery in Egypt. Joshua was a great deliverer. He led the people into the promised land. So they overcame the enemy. They were established there in the land. Gideon was a great deliverer in the book of Judges. When people were attacking the nation of Israel, he rose up Gideon to be a great deliverer for the people. David was a great deliverer. He was a military leader. He won many, many, many battles. But, but the best of all is coming. Zechariah even says, has come, has come. Jesus is not born yet, but Zechariah is saying the greatest deliverer our people have ever seen or known or could ever hope for has come because that deliverer is already in Mary's womb. Amen. Isaiah 7, 14, look, the virgin will conceive a child. She'll give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Isaiah 9, 6, and 7, for a child is born to us, a son is given to us, the government will rest on his shoulder, and he'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and his peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. And Isaiah 53 is famous for prophesying about Jesus coming to the cross. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. But by his stripes we are healed. All of us like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He is led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shears is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. We know that very well, but the verses that follow that says this, when he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish. What anguish are we talking about, the Father or the Son? Both, they're one. The anguish of the Son in the crucifixion. See, before it gets into Isaiah 53, the end of Isaiah 52 says he is marred beyond human recognition. You can either translate that, that they beat him up so bad nobody would know who he was anymore, or that he didn't even look like a human being anymore. Either one would be the case. And he went to the cross. and he See, that's anguish. That's anguish. And it was anguish for Jesus to go through it. It was anguish for the Father to put him through it. But it says when he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, he will be satisfied. He'll be satisfied. And because of his experience, my righteous servant will make it possible for many to be counted righteous. For you to be counted righteous. In spite of your sins. In spite of your disobedience. In spite of your failure. In spite of all that you've done to hurt yourself and hurt other people. He makes it possible for you to be counted righteous. And he will bear all, not some, all their sins. And I will give him the honors of a victorious soldier. Everyone who had led and delivered Israel before were only foreshadowings of the one to come. All who were true teachers in Israel had told of this one who was coming to bring the ultimate deliverance. We read in the Psalms, we pictured David. Have you ever done that? Have you ever read the Psalms and kind of pictured David, where he is when he's writing? 
Maybe he's on a hillside overlooking the sheep. Maybe he's in a cave running from Saul. Maybe he's in a king. Maybe he's become a king. All these various aspects of David's life. Where is he? What was he doing when he wrote these words? I want you to put these words into your situation. Psalm 27. The Lord. This is, this is put it into your situation. The Lord is my light. And my salvation. So why should I be afraid? The Lord is my fortress. Protecting me from danger. So why should I tremble? When evil people come to devour me, when my enemies and foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Amen. Though a mighty army surrounds me, my heart will not be afraid. Amen. Even if I'm attacked, I will remain confident. The one thing I ask of the Lord, the thing I seek most, is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Amen. Delighting in the Lord's perfections and meditating in his temple, for he will conceal me there when troubles come. Let him do that for you today. He will conceal me there when troubles come. He will hide me in his sanctuary. He will place me out of reach on a high rock. Then I will hold my head high above my enemies who surround me. At his sanctuary, I will offer sacrifices like Zechariah with shouts of joy and singing and praising the Lord with music. Hear me as I pray, O Lord. Be merciful and answer me. My heart has heard you say, come and talk. Hear the Lord saying to you today, come and talk with me. Come and talk with me. And my heart responds, Lord, I'm coming. Lord, I'm coming. Do not turn your back on me. Do not reject your servant in anger. You've always been my helper. Don't leave me now. Don't abandon me, O God of my salvation. Even if my father and mother abandon me, the Lord will hold me close. He will hold me close. Teach me how to live, O oh Lord. Lead me along the right path. For my enemies are waiting for me. Do not let me fall into their hands, for they accuse me of things I've never done. With every breath, they threaten me with violence, yet I'm confident I will see the Lord's goodness while I'm here in the land of the living. Hope. We could read on and on and on. We, we should praise the Lord with David and with Zechariah because he's come to us with deliverance. He's come to you with deliverance. What do you need deliverance from? You need deliverance from a habit? You need deliverance from a temptation? You need deliverance from a secret sin, besetting sin, you just can't seem to get past it? You need deliverance from uncontrolled anger? You need deliverance from bitterness? Bitterness. Or fear? Or doubt? Or something else? Zechariah said, he's come with deliverance. Yes. He's come with deliverance. And his deliverance brings joy. Amen. His salvation brings joy. And beyond Amen. salvation, his deliverance brings joy. And third, his holiness brings joy. Amen. His holiness brings joy. Verses 74 and 75 of Luke 1. We have been rescued from our enemies so we can serve God without fear in holiness and righteousness for as long as we live. Since he gives us salvation, since he gives us deliverance, we can live in holiness. Amen. We can live in righteousness because we've been delivered. The purpose of God is not to simply set us free, but to exchange a yoke of slavery for a yoke of service. But his yoke is not heavy. Matthew 11, 28-30, Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is like We are not simply set free, and that's it. He's not finished with you after he sets you free. He's not finished with you yet. He becomes our master. We are to become engaged in service for Jesus. To follow Jesus is to enlist in his service. We are bound to God. We are delivered from an iron, deadly, destructive yoke of sin so that we can be put under the loving yoke of Jesus Christ. Psalm 116, verse 16. Oh Lord, I am your servant. I'm your servant. Born into your household. You have freed me from my chains. He has freed us He's put us into his service. And then he enables us and empowers us for that service because I, I don't have the power in myself to do what he's asked me to do. But he enables us. He empowers us. He gives us what we need. This is what Zechariah is praising him for. And Paul said in 1 Timothy 1.12, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has 
given me strength to do the work. He's called me and he has enabled me. He considered me trustworthy and he appointed me to serve him. He gives us the strength and the power to do his work. And we perform these tasks with a holy and a righteous lifestyle. God's purpose in salvation when we're saved. His purpose is to restore our hearts to the state before the fall. Pure and holy and righteous. And so Ephesians chapter 4 verse 24 says, Put on your new nature. Put on your new nature. Created to be like God. Truly righteous and holy. And we got to do that every day. Every day. Anew. we got to say, ah, ah, I don't have that old nature anymore. He's given me a new nature. He set me free. He's given me power and ability to follow him. And so I am putting on not my angry angry, bitter nature, sinful nature, subject to temptation, but I'm putting on the nature of Jesus Christ today. We've got to walk in this holiness in order to be heard by God when we pray. You want your prayer answer? Well, are you walking in holiness? Are you putting on the new nature instead of going back to the old? See Psalm 166 verse 18 says, If I had not confessed the sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. If you're not getting prayers answered, search your heart. Lord, is there anything in me that's an impediment in my relationship? Forgive me. But God did listen. He paid attention to my prayer. Praise God who did not ignore my prayer or withdraw his unfailing love from me. That means David said, if I had if I had regarded, if I had kept the sin in my heart, he would not have heard me. But he did hear me. He did hear me. Why? Because he not only forgave me, he delivered me and set me free. I've got joy because I'm saved. I've got joy because I've been delivered. And I've got joy because he empowers me to walk in holiness and righteousness. And Zechariah's son, Zechariah's son prepared the way for Jesus, prepared the way for all of this. Jesus sent the power of the Holy Spirit to enable us to live holy. <coughs> so we take, we take the Holy Spirit into our lives as our guide when we're born again, when we accept Jesus, when we become followers of Jesus. And what is the first name of the Holy Spirit? Holy. <laughs> His first name is Holy. That's who he is. That's what he is. And it's his characteristic that he gives to us. It's a gift. It's a gift. Some of like, I'm going to try really hard to be holy. Stop trying to be holy and just be like Jesus. Stop trying to be holy and just put on a new nature and let the Holy Spirit control your life. Because when the Holy Spirit controls your life, he'll produce that fruit in you. Does this happen? And that brings joy. Why does it bring joy? Because it eliminates guilt. It eliminates condemnation. You don't feel like you're falling short anymore. You know you've been forgiven. You know you've been set free. You know you can walk in holiness and righteousness by the power of the Holy Spirit. Woo! What a relief! I don't have to try anymore. I don't have to work so hard anymore. I don't have to worry about my past sins anymore. This happens so fast. You go to the altar. You say, Lord Jesus, forgive me my sin. And then as soon as you leave the altar, you go back and you sit in your chair. And the enemy starts putting condemnation on you and everything else. And you say to God, you say to God, God, you know that thing we just talked about? And God said, no, uh -uh, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't even remember it. He's forgotten. It's gone. He's forgiven. Don't let the devil throw condemnation on you for the things that Jesus has already forgiven you. Amen. If you've asked for forgiveness and been forgiven, just walk. Walk in that. The guilt and the condemnation are eliminated. So, so Zechariah spoke in advance. Zechariah spoke in advance of something as if it had already happened. And now we're on the other side of it. We know it's happened. It's history. So the coming of Jesus brings joy. His salvation brings joy. His deliverance brings joy. And his holiness brings joy. That's one of the great promises of the advent, the coming of Jesus. Let's stand together. Just begin to worship the Lord. Just begin to praise him for the joy that he gives us. God is good. God is good. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for your love. Thank you, Jesus, for your joy. Thank you, God, for your goodness. Thank you, Lord, for what you want to do for us. <coughs> Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I tell you, the Lord wants to bless you today. The Lord wants to bless you today. And I know sometimes we think, well, he can bless me right here where I stand. Yes, he can, but Jesus... Jesus walked by people and he said, follow me. And they had to make a move to follow him. Jesus, Jesus said to people, do you want to be healed? Do you wish to get well? And they had to respond. He never, ever speaks to us without calling us to respond in some way. And so his salvation brings joy. Do you know 
you know that you know that you know that you know that you are saved, that your sins are forgiven. In just a few moments, I'm going to ask you to respond. If you need to know, know that you are forgiven and you, you want the joy of knowing you're completely and totally forgiven. I'm going to ask you to respond by standing and walking forward and our prayer team and other leaders are going to come and just, just going to come and lay a hand on your shoulder and pray for God to bless in your life what he's doing. You're coming forward saying, God, I'm responding. And his deliverance, his deliverance brings joy. You can be delivered today. You don't have to go to a conference. You don't have to go to some big session. Jesus sets people free just with a word. He can set you free today. Do you want to be well? Do you want to be free? He can set you free, whether it's a habit. I believe with each one of these, the Holy Spirit is convicting people. And he's convicting lovingly, saying, I want to set you free. Jesus died to set you free. Don't be unbelieving like Zechariah and say, how can this be? Believe, believe, believe so that you can receive. A habit, a temptation, a secret sin, uncontrolled anger. He can set you free from that. You know that's not peace and you know you feel <coughs> guilt after an outburst. Bitterness. Is there still a deep root of bitterness in you for something that's happened in your past and maybe you've dealt with the people and the people have dealt with you but there's still a, there's still a bitterness in there. Maybe you're bitter at God. Maybe you're bitter at yourself. He wants to set you free. It'll bring you joy. It'll bring you joy. Fear. You struggle with fear and anxiety. He wants to set you free. He wants to set you free. Doubt. Are you struggling? Are you struggling to really believe? Believe in his forgiveness. Believe in his power. Believe in his love. Believe in his freedom. He wants to, he wants to set you free. Bring you joy. Maybe there's something else. The Holy Spirit's already spoken to you and identified that he wants to set you free. And then his holiness. Some of you have been, you're trying to be holy. You're trying. You're trying really hard. You're trying to do all the do's and not do the don'ts. That's not how to be holy. Holiness is a gift. Amen. Just like you receive a gift at Christmas that maybe you don't deserve or earn, but it's something that's a blessing to you. Just, just receive holiness as a gift. You're never going to be righteous enough. But he makes you righteous because he gives you his righteousness. He hasn't gone to the store and bought it. He is giving you what he has himself, giving you his righteousness. And you can just receive that as a gift. And then you'll receive this joy, this promise of joy this Advent season. So we're going to take a few moments and let God work. Let God speak. God wants to do something here today. God wants to minister to you, help you, heal you, change your life. So if you need salvation day, if you need deliverance from any of these things we mentioned, if you need to have that sense of walking in the holiness of Jesus rather than striving for it, I want you to step out and come. Just step out and come. Come Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Let the Holy Spirit work. Do you want to be well? Do you want to be healed? Take a step towards Jesus today. Take a step towards Jesus today. He wants to give you these gifts. He wants to give you these gifts. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Who else? Come. Come. I believe the Lord's working today. Lord, take away our or take away our pride. Lord, we're here in love. Take away any sense of manipulation. We're just responding to your word today, Lord. We're responding to your gift. Just people, come. Prayer team members, just come right away and begin to minister and serve and pray alongside those that are coming. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Who else? Salvation. Deliverance from habits. Temptations fears, besetting sins, the gift of his holiness. Come, let him, let him minister to you today. Thank you, Jesus. Let him give you joy. Let him give you joy, joy unspeakable and full of glory. Joy to the world. The Lord has come.
Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Let's just lift our hands to the Lord and praise him today, church. Let's just praise him. Let's just praise him. Thank you, Jesus, for your goodness. Thank you, Lord, for your joy. Thank you for your salvation. Thank you for, for your forgiveness. Praise him like Zechariah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Others, if you need to come, just come. Just come. Let God work in your life. People will come and pray with you. Praise the name of Jesus.
a word to your heart. Yeah.